Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Guardians 3, the LA Angels 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it's another solid win by your Cleveland Guardians over the LA Angels. It is nice to get some wins over a West Coast team like this, a team we don't see very often. And now we got a chance to go for the sweep with Cal Quantrill on the mound in a day game today. So let's get into the storylines of this game. Let's break down what's going on here. And remember, I mean, we went out and got swept by L.A., when we went out there for a four-game set earlier in the season, that was that rough, uh, that rough road trip where we got swept by the Yankees. We got swept by the Angels. It came off the heels of you know the fight in the stands in New York, and uh, luckily we went to Oakland after that and got to sweep the Athletics and get this uh, get this season back on track. But that's how we ended April. We ended with us getting swept by the Yankees, getting swept by the Angels out in LA. Uh, before bouncing back against Oakland. So it does feel like we're getting a little bit of revenge here in this series, uh, beating up on the Angels, racking up some wins at an important time of the season against the Angels. So the the big storyline for me in this game is you have Cody Morris starting. You have Kirk McCarty coming in and piggybacking off of him. I don't know if that was Always the game plan. Uh, I, you know, it sounded the way Hamilton was calling the first few innings. It sounded like the plan was to ride Cody Morris as deep as he can get into the game with, you know, his 70 to 75 pitches. And he does. He hits 75 pitches and he's out of the game. But McCarty comes in, you know, it only lasts three and two thirds. And you're thinking, all right, how much of this bullpen are we going to have to burn through? In my head, I'm thinking to myself, all right, here comes Brian Shaw probably out of the pen. You know, I for, I honestly forgot McCarty was even out there. Uh, you know, I knew somebody was out there in if, if you know, Cody Morris is here in the Plesak spot. I knew somebody was out in the pen in that Aaron Savali spot. Remember, they've been rotating through different guys kind of starting in that spot. And we'll probably see somebody else in the next day or two. Uh, rotate through in that spot. Another rookie called up because they got to get through the makeup game with Chicago. Then they got to get through a doubleheader on Saturday. So we're going to see some of those young guys uh, help us get through this weekend. But I forgot McCarty was out there. And, uh, you know, McCarty has not had the best season. But, I mean, he comes in and he is absolutely fantastic for three and a third innings of one hit, no run baseball. I mean, that's just... That's huge out of the bullpen. I You can't even state how big it was. Well, you can. I mean, he got the win, uh, and he'll probably win something else before this day's over, if you know the format of this podcast. So let's get into the difference between Cody Morris and Kirk McCarty, because they were definitely doing it in different ways yesterday. I mean, Cody Morris does survive three and two-thirds. He only gives up two hits. He gives up one run on a solo home run. Uh, he is dealing with runners on base all day, but it's his fault because he walks five Angels hitters and then balances that out with four strikeouts. So what was going on with Cody Morris and the walks? Well, if we go over to the illustrator here, yeah, he was having a little trouble with his cutter. 
and his fastball. He was leaving the fastball kind of out to the arm side of the plate for the right-hander and then kind of pushing the cutter across the zone to the off the glove side of the plate. Uh, so, yeah, he was having a little trouble with his fastball. Meanwhile, Kurt McCarty just pounding the zone, especially with his cutter, uh, being really aggressive with his cutter, uh, throwing it up and down. Uh, Cody Morris was kind of stuck up with his fastball all night. Didn't get too many down at the knees, whereas McCarty was throwing that cutter down at the knees when he had to. Um, So there was a little bit of a difference right there. You'll see in the CSW numbers, uh, you know, the big difference between those two guys. So uh, Cody Morris was getting it done with whiffs. He he had six whiffs on his four-seamer, four on the cutter, five out of six swings, on the changeup, an 83% whiff rate on his changeup. So it's good for a 15 whiffs on 36 swings, a 43% whiff rate for Cody Morris. I mean, that's how he gets those uh, those four strikeouts, but he wasn't really getting many called strikes, only six called strikes. So that's how you end up walking five Angels hitters. Now, Kirk McCarty on the other side was not getting many whiffs, only... Uh, only one whiff on 17 swings. Uh, they fouled off six. They put 10 in play, mostly the cutter. He did add in seven called strikes. So he only has one strikeout over three and a third innings. But they put nine cutters in play. Ready for this? The average exit velocity off that cutter was 78.8. They only put one four-seam fastball in play. I'm, was it the bunt attempt? Uh, I mean, the average exit velocity off that was 47.6. The the only exit velocity off that was 47.6. So, yeah, uh, Kirk McCarty really, that cutter really keeping guys off the barrel of the bat. Now, uh, Morris was only at about a 54% strike rate, whereas McCarty was up at a 65% strike rate. Remember, those balls put in play count as strikes when you're looking at your total pitches on the day. So, Yeah, McCarty pounding the strike zone a lot with that cutter, whereas Morris was dancing around it a little more. Now, dancing around it led to more whiffs, but it also led to more walks. And uh, he really had to work out of some things uh, in this one. Looking at Cody Morris's game logs uh, so far, I mean, it's only three appearances so far. Uh, He hasn't really had to deal with walks like this. Uh, It was two walks against the Mariners, one walk against the Royals. Remember, against the Royals, it was a really solid four innings of shutout baseball. He struggled a little bit more, gave up three runs to Seattle Mariners, gave up a home run in that one as well, Uh, gives up the solo home run here, but does last a little more. The ERA is coming down. From where it started at 9.0, he's got it down to 279 right now after his third appearance against the Angels. And the whip actually goes up just a tick because of those five walks. So he had the whip down at 1.67. It's now up at 1.76. So the ERA does improve in this game, but the whip bounces up a little bit for Cody Morris. Now, Kirk McCarty on the other side. uh, Yeah, he is. This is. uh, It is really nice to see him not walking people because in, in a lot of his appearances early, He was giving up some walks. He was either giving up walks or home runs. In every appearance this season, his rookie season, he has either walked someone, given up home runs, or both. This was was nice. This was the first time against the Angels here. 
that he has zero walks and zero home runs allowed in an appearance. So that shows you that, yeah, he is. He is. His two appearances so far uh, in the month of September have actually been really nice appearances. Uh, he went two innings against Seattle of a no-hit shutout baseball. He did have a walk and a strikeout in that one, and now three in a third innings, giving up one hit, but no walks, no home runs, and one strikeout in this one against the Angels. So McCarty is, yeah, these rookies are figuring some things out. And, I mean, they really they really save the day in this one. I mean, McCarty saves the entire bullpen. He allows uh, Karinczyk to come in for the eighth, Classe to come in for the ninth and get the save. I mean, McCarty lasting three-plus innings in relief on only 37 pitches. It takes Cody Moore 75 pitches to get through three and two-thirds. It takes McCarty only 37 pitches to get through three and a third innings. And both of those guys only give up one hard hit ball each. Class A gives up one hard hit ball in the ninth. Three hard hit balls total for the uh, Angels hitters. None for Trout, none for Otani, one by Taylor Ward, and then two by Matt Thice, Tice, who was uh, trying to figure things out as a catcher. Apparently, he played catcher in college, and he's trying to figure out how to do it again. Uh, and now, after being in the Angels system for a long time, uh, he's trying to figure out how to play catcher again. So it would actually come into play in this one and allow the Guardians to score a run. Uh, you know, maybe not the fact that he's trying to relearn the position, but having having him at catcher definitely led to a single Guardians run in this game. All right, so that's what was going on with Cody Morris and Kirk McCarty. They both were able to survive Mike Trout. Uh, he gets Cody Morris out of there before having to face Trout for a third time. It's something we talked about in yesterday's game, letting Pilkington face Trout, face the top of the lineup for a third time. Definitely, that's when Trout hit his home run. It was it was kind of a mistake. Well, in this one, he gets uh, Cody Morris out of there while they're still in the bottom of the lineup before they're about to turn it over for a second time. Now, he does walk a second batter in this fourth inning, so you understand why they went and got him. Plus, he was at that 75-pitch limit. So they go and get him. They get McCarty in there to face Tice at the bottom of the lineup. He gets him to pop out. So then when they turn the lineup over in the fifth inning, uh, Moniak, Trout, and Otani at the top of the lineup are now facing a new pitcher in the game, Kirk McCarty, seeing something a little bit different. Uh, I mean, it's still fastball-cutter combo, but uh, seeing something a little bit different from Kurt McCarty than they saw from Cody Morris. And it's effective. Uh, he gets Trout to line out. He gets Otani to ground out to end that fifth inning. So he does a good job coming in the third time through the lineup. Uh, it's a different look, and they're able to handle the top of the lineup. Speaking of the top of the Angels lineup, by the way, o Trout and Otani get shut out on the game. Uh, they both walk once, but no hits for either of those guys. They set their lineup with Moniak hitting in front of Trout and Otani. Look, I get that they're searching for more offense in L.A., but you put a guy that's hitting 167, a guy that strikes out a ton in Mickey Moniak in front of Trout and Otani, he struck out three times in front of those guys. What is the point of that lineup if you're putting a guy that just cannot get on base in front of Trout and Otani? You got you to gotta have somebody, somebody who can uh, get on base in front of those guys. Wasn't it uh, Renifo who was hitting there? 
yesterday, uh, the second baseman put. Why did they move him out of the leadoff spot? Uh, he at least got on base once on the day with a walk. So it makes no sense to me why the Angels would have Mickey Moniak up there hitting in that leadoff spot. And just, I mean, it's it was a terrible table setter for Trout and Otani. He's at a 36.1% strikeout rate. He's got 30 strikeouts to three walks on the season. His on-base percentage is 207. So yeah, what is this guy doing hitting leadoff? I mean, I guess maybe you're trying to spark something by putting him in a different spot in the lineup. Maybe he'll feel a different responsibility to get on base. You got a 207 on base percentage. What is Mickey Moniak doing hitting leadoff? Makes no sense to me. While we're talking about the way Cody Morris and Kirk McCarty were pitching, let's talk about how they handled Mike Trout because he's definitely going for that home run record, right? He's going to uh, try to tie the record for the most consecutive games with a home run. He was sitting at seven. The record was at eight. And, uh, you know, yesterday, Pilkington said, everybody told him, you know, stay away from low fastballs. Don't give Trout a low fastball. What does he do that third time up? Gives him a low fastball right above the knees, uh, right down the middle to start the at-bat, and he hammers it to center field. Well, McCarty and Cody Morris were able to do it. Frankly, they stayed up and they stayed away. Everything that was thrown to Mike Trout yesterday was either a fastball or a cutter at the top of the zone, or it was a fastball and a cutter off the outside edge of the plate to uh, to Trout. So even Karinchek coming in and facing him, uh, stayed away with fastball. So nobody wanted to dance with Mike Trout yesterday. They were definitely avoiding him. Frankly, he probably could have walked a few more times if he wasn't being aggressive and trying to hit that home run. Uh, he hit a few fly balls, but he uh, he couldn't keep one. He couldn't get one deep enough. Hit a few foul balls out there. Couldn't get one deep enough uh, for a home run. Some pretty lazy fly balls from Mike Trout. Uh, I'm guessing if he's not going for that home run record, he actually probably walks a few more times than he did in this game. So they do a good job staying away from Trout. All right, that's what was going on in the, on the pitching side of things. I mean, after Morris and McCarty set things up with their three-plus innings, Karinchek comes in and handles the eighth inning on nine pitches. Really solid job by Karinchek. All fastballs. Didn't throw the curve once. But he was able to get the fastball in the strike zone. Actually threw a couple at the knees, threw a couple at the top of the zone. So he was going high and low with that fastball and gets it done on nine pitches. And then Klasse comes in, does give up kind of an infield single. You know, uh, Andres Jimenez, who came in at second base halfway through this game, was kind of deep in the hole. And, you know, he's able to run one down in the outfield grass, but can't really make a throw on it. Uh, but two strikeouts, including a big strikeout, to end things for Emmanuel Classe, uh, gets Matt Duffy to finish things off, uh, just blowing him away, just blowing him away. Use the slider a lot in this one. Uses the slider to get that final strikeout. Um, going over to his player breakdown, you know, sometimes he mixes it up. Sometimes he goes with a ton of cutters, and sometimes he likes to mix it up and you know really use that slider effectively. And in this one, he used threw the slider eight times to seven cutters. And, uh, you know, it was effective. He had two whiffs on it, two called strikes, uh, 50% CSW on that slider. Uh, so, yeah, it was good stuff from that slider, including the final pitch of the game. So, 
that's what was going on on the pitching side. All right, now let's talk some offense because this offense was threatening all night. I mean, they had nine hits in the game. They had a bunch of hard hit balls, especially from the top of the lineup. They had some unexpected guys with multi-hit games in Owen Miller and Miles Straw. So how do they finally get it done? Uh, well, a little bit of small ball finally ties the game in the fifth inning. You know, uh, Jose Suarez was pitching well. He uh, he was getting hard hit a little bit, but he was pitching well. He was getting out of some jams. He gets out of a jam in the uh, in the third inning where he gives up back-to-back singles to Luke Maley and Miles Straw at the bottom of the order. The Guardians are about to do the thing they do where the bottom of the order sets up the top of the order, but instead Quan grounds into a double play, something you don't see very often. Usually if he's in that situation, he can leg it out but he grounds into a double play to end that threat in the third. So you're just kind of waiting for the Guardians to break through. Um, They get another guy on base, Oscar Gonzalez, with an infield single in the fourth, but Naylor would strike out. And then finally in the fifth inning, Owen Miller with a leadoff single, uh, and then that ball that's dropped by Tice, right? It's dropped between his legs. He can't field it cleanly, you know, a ball in the dirt. It kind of gets buried between his legs. And uh, Owen Miller, with a heads-up play, moves down to second base. Completely sets this thing up by being able to move up a base. Tyler Freeman would then fly out to right field. It would move him up to third. And then Luke Maley with a sack fly into center. And Owen Miller comes home without a throw. So we're able to tie the game up. We're able to respond to that solo home run in the third inning from Matt Tice. Uh, so, yeah, he, he kind of gets one and he gives one up here. Uh, you know, then we do have back-to-back singles from Straw and Quan with two outs. You think maybe something else could go down, but then Ahmed Rosario would strike out to end the threat. All right, we turn around, we go one, two, three in the sixth inning, and we get the offense back up there. And Jose Ramirez, my God, a hundred and fourteen point two mile per hour shot off the wall in left field for a double before bringing up Oscar Gonzalez. Now, this is still against Suarez. Suarez is still in the game. Uh, You know, at this point, he's giving up hits, but he's getting out of things, and they're going to see how deep he can go in the game. You know, Suarez has been very, was having a very good month, was having a very good two months, frankly. Uh, In in the pregame conversation, I think Nevin said that, you know, he felt that uh, you know, Suarez was really locked in, maybe one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Uh, after a 623 ERA in July, he puts up a 251 ERA for the month of August, going three and two. He had a 1.01 whip for the month of August. So, yeah, he was pitching pretty well for the month of August. Now, had never given up more than three runs in any start. So, uh, you know, throwing up a few quality starts. In the month of August, coming off of a really good start against the Detroit Tigers, three hit, no run baseball. Of course, he's coming off a good start against the Detroit Tigers or the worst team offense in baseball. But, uh, you know, Cleveland was ready for him and it took a while. But Oscar Gonzalez gets him. He throws him a low inside pitch. I believe it was a slider going over to the illustrator here. Let's check out what this home run was. Yes, it was a slider coming down and in at the knees to Oscar Gonzalez, and he unloads on this thing. He turns on this thing, ends up hitting it 
106 mile per hour exit velocity, gets a little higher launch angle than Jose Ramirez did, 21 degree launch angle, and it hits off the railings in front of the home run porch above that 19 foot wall for a big two run home run from Oscar Gonzalez. And that's all we needed. That's the offense right there. A three to one game. Uh, you know, looking at uh, Suarez's last few games, looking over the month of August and September, it's the most hits he's given up to anybody in that two-month span, and it's the least amount of strikeouts. And are you surprised that the Guardians offense has more hits and less strikeouts than anybody else, else that Suarez has faced? That's what they do. That's exactly what this Guardians team does. So the huge home run from Oscar Gonzalez here in the fifth inning, uh, in the sixth inning, I'm sorry, uh, is blows this game kind of wide open. I mean, a 3-1 lead with as bad as the Angels' offense is, is kind of a big deal. And this is a spot. This is a spot. This is his fourth home run from a pitch down and in in the uh, lower lower in quadrant of the strike zone. Uh, In fact, most of his home runs are coming from down, you know, below the belt. Uh, That's his sixth home run from below the belt. He's got two kind of at the belt, middle of the plate. Uh, But he's hard hitting balls down there. Um, He's barreling up balls down there in that zone. His average exit velocity from down and in quadrant is 98.8. His average exit velocity even off the plate down and in is 90.3. So he really can. This pitch was right on the black. I mean, it was right on the edge of the strike zone, maybe hanging off the black a little bit down and in. But basically, yeah, that lower inside quadrant, uh, he will hammer pitches down there. Now, what I thought was interesting about this swing, you know, have you ever seen those old things where they take like Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle and they like overlay their swing with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. or with a Mike Trout today? And even though the mechanics are a little different at the, you know, with the stance and the approach and, and where the hands start, at the point of contact, if you overlay those guys at the point of contact, this, everything lines up. The hips line up. The hands line up. Uh, everything lines up at the point of contact. I don't know if you could say that about Oscar Gonzalez's home run last night. Uh, didn't it feel like he was just like a little bit hunched over? Didn't it feel like he was a little bit hunched over on this thing? Uh, and those hands are just so strong. Those arms are just so strong that he can golf a ball out for a home run and just hammer it 106 and get lift off of it and lift this thing up. He's not just hammering it down the third base line at 106. He's pulling it at a 21-degree launch angle. So, yeah, I, there's just something about how strong Oscar Gonzalez is that he can have a little bit of an unconventional swing, go down and get those inside pitches, and still hammer them out there for a home run over our big wall in left field. So pretty awesome to see that Oscar Gonzalez is doing a good job of protecting Jose Ramirez in the lineup, right? Uh, I mean, Jose Ramirez, when they came in off of that home run, Jose Ramirez seemed pumped up to have the rookie being, uh, you know, being behind him in the lineup, mashing home runs behind him in the lineup. You know, that that fired up Jose. So that was cool to see. Uh, it's a big moment for Oscar Gonzalez. And yeah, I mean, we would threaten again a few more times. Um, we would, you know, get Quan on with a walk in the seventh, but it doesn't turn into anything. They would intentionally walk. Quan would steal second. They would intentionally walk 
Uh, Jose Ramirez with the base open, but Gonzalez would ground out that time, I believe, to second base. Uh, so yeah, so we threatened, we actually threatened later in that sixth inning. Owen Miller had another hit, another double, uh, but Jimenez would ground out and Luke Maley would strike out to end that threat. Uh, so an Owen Miller double doesn't turn into anything. Um, so yeah, so we did threaten a few more times, but a 3-1 lead is all this bullpen needed, uh, to get the job done. So a really good job by the Guardians of doing enough to win this game, right? That's what the Guardians' offense is kind of about at this point. I mean, we don't lead the league in runs. Um, we we do enough to set up this pitching staff to continue to rack up the wins. Uh, so a few more notes on this game. Uh, like I said, Owen Miller and uh, Miles Straw both have multi-hit games. Miller's does turn into a run. Uh, Straw's don't really turn into anything. By the way, Quan, before I forget it, Quan has one of the silliest hits of the entire game. He has that little cue shot that kind of trickles down the third base line and just stops right on the chalk. Everybody's like hovered over the ball waiting for it to roll foul, and it just never does. So that was a fun play in this game, even though it doesn't turn into a run. He's on base twice, but it doesn't turn into any runs. Straw, like I said, multi-hit game doesn't turn into any runs, and that's kind of what's going on with Miller and Straw uh, for the month of September, both guys are having a decent month of September. I'm not going to take anything away from them. Uh, you know, Miller is on a one, two, three, four, five, six game hitting streak. Uh, he has a couple of multi-hit games thrown in there, but this was his first extra base hit. That double that doesn't turn into a run is his first extra base hit for the entire month of September. So he is hitting 321 for the month of September. But he hasn't walked, uh, and he only has one extra base hit. So, still, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take. I'm not turning away hits, but they also haven't turned into any runs. Uh, he's only scored one run. He's only got two RBIs on the month of September. So, even though he's getting hits, he's getting on base via singles. It hasn't really sparked many rallies, turned into many runs until last night. Last night was the first run he scored the entire month of September. Now, the same thing is kind of going on with Miles Straw. Like, he's got 12 hits on the month of September. A few more at-bats than Owen Miller does. He's hitting, after hitting, look, after hitting one uh, or 0 0.93 for the month of August, okay? Possibly the worst month you'll ever see in the game of baseball. He's now hitting 2.93 for the month of September with a 3.26 on base. Uh, they're all singles, though. 12 singles. They've turned into two runs, all right. Uh, he's got two RBIs as well. So again, you know, 12 hits, not really translating. He's got a few walks mixed in there, not really translating into a ton of runs being scored, but I'll still take it. Like the fact that, you know, leading into October, if these guys can get going a little bit, these guys that have been struggling all season offensively in Miller and Straw, I'll take it. Will these eventually turn into runs? Yeah, if you keep getting on base, eventually it's going to turn into more runs. But so far, only one run scored from Owen Miller this month, only two runs from Miles Straw this month. So even though they're getting hits, they're not really lighting up the scoreboard quite yet. Uh, but uh, if they keep it rolling, if they can keep this month of September rolling into October, that is going to be big. I mean... 
to have those guys figure it out at the end of the season is is really going to, I mean, we're going to need everybody. It's all hands on deck to finish this thing out, to win this division, and to get us into October. So whatever they can contribute offensively, I'll take it. All right, I think that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, you know, it's a good game for your Guardians. We beat a hot pitcher in Jose Suarez. Our, our rookies somehow managed to do it, managed to go seven innings combined with those rookie pitchers. So MVP on the day, I mean, yes, Oscar Gonzalez's home run was a huge moment in this game, uh, you know, blowing the game open three to one lead. But Kirk McCarty absolutely has to be MVP on the day. I did not see that performance coming from Kirk McCarty. And to do it so efficiently on 37 pitches on a um, nearly 65% strike rate, giving up one hard hit ball, having to go in and face the top of the order, uh, you know, in Trout and Otani and handling them. Just really solid stuff from Kirk McCarty. Uh, you know, he might get bounced back to Triple A to make room for another starter this week. Uh, after going three and a third, I don't really see them turning around and letting him start on uh, on a Friday or Saturday for the doubleheader. Maybe Saturday for the doubleheader. Maybe he sticks around and gets a start there Saturday for the doubleheader. But my guess is you're probably going to see Hunter Gaddis or Xavier Curry come up for that start. You might even see them uh, come up for the start against Chicago on Thursday. They haven't announced that yet. So you might see both those guys uh, this weekend. But it's big stuff from Kirk McCarty. He definitely earned some respect in that clubhouse for going out there, especially in that bullpen. Especially in that bullpen, he earned some respect for going out there and giving three and a third innings of one-hit relief baseball. So great stuff. Kurt McCarty, your MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's your Guardians 3, the Angels 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.